Welcome to the Bike Pack Adventures Podcast. I am your host, Chris Panaski. This podcast was created so as to share the stories of bike tours, bike packers, and endurance cyclists from around the world as they embark on amazing adventures. Through their stories, you'll be able to learn the ins and outs of bike travel. You'll get insight into various countries and cultures around the world, hear fantastic stories of their journeys. Through both mine and my guests' experiences, you'll learn about the pros and cons of specific gear, bikes, and bike setups. If you're new to bike travel and considering going on an adventure, I hope the podcast provides you with that extra little bit of motivation to make it happen. I want to thank Panorama Cycles, Redshift Sports, Restrap, Race Day Fuel, and Brockman Cyclery for supporting Bike Pack Adventures and helping to keep me on the bike. Check out the show notes for more information about these amazing companies. Thanks and keep on pedaling. Hey there, and welcome back to the Bike Tour Adventures podcast. This is the BTA Ridecast. I'll be talking about the Grand O. That's a route that Carl and I have put together. So just to take you through uh, through the ride and through my experience. With the long weekend of May 2-4, so for people not in Canada, that's Victoria Day weekend. It's always a three-day weekend. We decided to, to test ride our Grando, just do final route check, find out any spots that you know might be impeded by private property and whatnot, and to extend it to, uh, onto another loop a bit and uh, make a big, big ride out of the weekend. We decided to leave Friday evening after work rather than wait till Saturday morning, thinking that giving us that extra 12 hours would be good just to get us started earlier, finish a little bit earlier, have time to rest and stuff before going back to work. And in hindsight, this was a bit of a problem. So we we didn't leave the house till probably around five o'clock. And one thing about going through the Gatineau Park, which is a huge provincial park just outside Ottawa, is you're going to be especially this time of the year, eaten alive by mosquitoes. There were a ton of them. And I've always been fortunate that they don't really eat me that much. They don't, I don't get, I mean, they bite me, they sting me, whatever. They bite me, I guess, but I don't really swell up from them. They, they don't bother me so much. I just spray some insect repellent on them. I'm pretty good to go. However, Carl must be made of juicier meat than me. And those things just went after him with a vengeance. And by the time we were finishing up a good portion of the Gatineau Park, it was already approaching nine o'clock and he was just going nuts. And we decided we're just going to get out of the park. It's just too many bugs. And so we, we hightailed it out of there and that took us really close to Wakefield. And that's when Carl, after some discussion and stuff, Carl mentioned that his knee was bothering him. Uh, he felt that he had uh, pulled it a bit on the, one of the climbs in the hill, in the park, trying to push past the mosquitoes and going harder than he should have. And so we decided we had three real options. One was to just call it quits, ride 25k back to my house, which was down the rail trail. Other options were to set up camp, wait till morning, see how we feel, reassess and go. And the third option was to ride for another hour to two hours that night, then set up camp, um, bypassing the Gatineau Park. And once we got to the other side, set up camp somewhere, reassess in the morning, have some breakfast and carry on. We just missed the restaurants when we came out at 9 o'clock. They closed at 9, we, I think we got to, where there was a Tim Hortons at around 9.05, and it was just a little bit too late. Ultimately, we decided to head home. Yeah, he decided to play it safe and not risk injuring his knee if it was worse than it was. And It's hard to say whether it was or not. It's such a huge mental game, and if you're not mentally prepared for such a big weekend, you really need to be in the right mind frame 
further than that, after Carl and I discussed it, it turns out that he was supposed to have the Friday off and not work and had hoped to rest more. And that didn't happen. And then even the night before that, he only got about five hours sleep. Ultimately, yeah, there was too many things that, that led to this, uh, to this little failure of ours. And if we had communicated better before and just, if I'd have been aware, I would have said, let's just wait till Saturday morning and go fresh get a good sleep and whatnot, but we weren't. I decided to go back with him mainly because I needed to repack and reassess my own goals for the weekend. I decided to not do the full 750 we were planning, but to just ride the Grand O, which is 400 kilometers-ish total. Having already ridden 50 kilometers that evening of the Grand O, I decided just to cut off the Gatineau Park part, which is about 70 kilometers, and I started on Sunday. So I took a rest day so I can get some stuff done around the house and repacked my kit on my bike so it would be a one-shot thing. Just took my emergency bivy, no sleeping, real amount of sleeping gear, an extra pair of socks. I knew it was going to be cold that day, that evening, so I did pack my down jacket, which turned out to be a blessing. And uh, got my wife to drop me off at um, Saint-François-de-Macham, which one of the, there's like three of these towns of something of Macham. And uh, so the middle one is Saint-François. Got dropped off there, rode a few kilometers until I got, uh, oh man, I forget the name of it, but I think it's, oh yeah, Saint-François de Macham, and I rode up to wait towards Saint-Louis de Macham, and then I cut back into the Gatineau Park following a um, an old service road, which was really awesome. Fast flowing, nice, beautiful tree coverage, which is great because it was quite a windy day with like 25 kilometer winds. Turned out a lot of the trails I rode, a lot of the roads I rode um, were just, you know, covered in trees, um, shading, blocking the wind. So it was great. And unfortunately on that route, there was a, a bridge out and luckily there was a little trail down. So I took my shoes and socks off and I waded through the creek to the other side. And I think that I'm going to keep that in the route. I think it's really awesome. It adds a nice little element of uh, adventure to it. Um, so long as you're not riding that route in like November, you'll be pretty good. And um, yeah, for the next... A little while. I mean, there's only a few little towns you go through. You go through Lac des Loups not too long after you leave Saint Louis de Macham. So probably within about an hour from leaving the Gatineau Park, you get to Lac des Loups. Then a couple hours later, you'd be up towards Ladysmith. Now, I didn't put the route into Ladysmith. I put it so it just cuts under it. It is very close. I might readjust it just so that it gets people. I mean, I think it's within a kilometer, so I don't think there's a real issue there. And super accessible for people to get some food, um, shelter if you want a hotel and whatnot. And then as you go, you have some amazing roads when you leave Ladysmith. Unserviced winter roads or so like these are roads that aren't serviced by the township so that come winter it's, you know, you're on your own. But they're really beautifully tree lined, rough roads, like nice descents, nice climbs. Sometimes you got to watch out for those fist-sized rocks, but otherwise really, really cool. And when you get to Thornby, you end up on a highway, uh, Highway 301 or County Road 301. I'm not sure how they call them in Quebec. And it's paved and it takes you for about six and a half kilometers. But I actually decided to extend it to the other side of Lac McQuaig. That way it gets you closer to Otter Bay without feeling guilty to not go there to get some food or water or whatever. Or hotel if you want to have a little more comfort. Yeah, so I think I've rerouted that, and it's going to be really nice. You're following along some lakes. you got some little climbs, but nothing too crazy. And then eventually you'll get to a town called Schwartz, or a little, like not even a town, a hamlet maybe, probably just a couple of houses and a cemetery. 
And then we start to go really, really off, um, off into the back, like backwoods, I guess, small, like country roads for about 50 kilometers until you get up to, um, and here, of course, I also ran into a problem where it hit some private property. So I had to reroute a little bit, which is fine. And you get up to Danford Lake and there's a store there and that was really great. I was able to get some food, some sandwiches, uh, a Pepsi. I don't drink Pepsi often, but it was pretty sweet to have one when you've been riding for six hours or so. Leaving Danford Lake, I started making my way to Venosta, which is where the um, Velo Route des Dravars is goes through. So that was awesome to get on that. And that's an old rail trail that takes you up to Gracefield. I do believe it goes further. I think it goes all the way to Manawaki, but I only took it up to Gracefield and that was perfectly fine. I got there right around 7 p.m. So I was able to get some food. Uh, of course, I had some poutine because that's so Canadian. Time for a quick interruption to thank some of the Bike Tour Adventure partners. The Bike Tour Adventures podcast is proud to be partnered with Redshift Sports. Founded in 2013 by a team of mechanical engineers who happen to be avid cyclists, they've been focused on creating components that make a meaningful difference to the riding experience, such as the switch aero system, the shock stop suspension system, and the kitchen sink handlebar system. I've been using the dual position seat post paired with the shock stop stem since 2020 and have nothing but great things to say about their products. Beginning in 2010 with environmental sustainability as the main focal point, Restrap has been in the bag making business for quite some time. Having used a race bag since 2021, I find their holster system and magnetic buckles to be extremely effective and truly unique. Named after the animals that roam the Tibetan plateau, Cheru Endurance Bikes was started by Pierre Arnaud Le Manga in 2009. After noticing a lack of endurance bikes on the market, Pierre used his expertise, know-how, and racing experience to create high-end carbon fiber and titanium bikes for the discerning rider and racer. For discount codes, check out the show notes or go to the Bike Tour Adventures podcast website. And then bought some sandwiches at the Metro. Filled up my water at the spring, which is a, there's a natural spring in town. So that's really good. I'm going to put a link. Uh, I'm going to tag that and filled up all my water plus my extra bladder. I brought an extra bladder because I knew come nightfall, it would be really hard to resupply. And then I got on the road and I made my way down towards Mont Saint-Marie. I got to Mont Saint-Marie and that's a beautiful ride. Lots of gravel, um, some good climbs, nothing too crazy though. Actually, when I look at the profile of the ride, that's probably some of the least climbing areas. There's like short little spiky climbs, you know, uh, following a river, you go over a big hill and nothing too nuts. But um, until I got to Mont Saint-Marie, obviously, Mont Saint-Marie, Lac Saint-Marie, it's a very hilly area. And just as you leave, as you pass the ski hill is where you have some of your first big climbs. So just passing the ski hill, you'll go from like 175 meters elevation to nearly 400. I think you're at 178. And at the highest point, you're at 380. So you climb for quite a while. So that 10 kilometers or so is spent almost all climbing and rolling, like rolling up and down some climbs. And one of those climbs is insane. Like... At Lac du Brochette is called. You uh, you turn off the road you're on. You turn right or turn left. Sorry, heading east, 
and immediately it's one kilometer of 16% grade gravel. And I just end up pushing for a whole kilometer, which sucked. Um, really kills the calves. You're, you're, you're not used to walking all of a sudden and then get back on the bike and you're really struggling. But I knew that hill was coming. And although I was cold at that point, I, I didn't put my down jacket on. I said, I'll just wait because I'm going to just end up sweating so much. And shortly after that climb, before going down, I put on the down jacket and stuff. And you have a sweet descent from kilometer 291 until, wow, 309. You're pretty much going down the whole time. So that's, that's 18 kilometers of downhill, which is rare in these parts. And this is after curfew. So for those that know, Quebec is in a lockdown with a, not lockdown, but they have a 930 curfew. It was truly beautiful to be riding and not see another soul for the entire night from the hours of 930 until I got home at 430. I did not see a person, did not see a car, really, really something else. And I think I'll never get to experience that again. Finishing the loop past Denholm, uh, just after you turn off from Denholm back towards, towards the Pogan Dam and stuff, there's some pretty big climb and the park they shoot the Denholm, the waterfall park of Denholm. But I believe it was either 12 or 13% or it was paved. I don't remember now. It was night and um, I was kind of tired. So it was rideable. That's what I'm saying. It was big, but rideable. And then as I got towards the Pogan Falls, I saw a sign that said something about construction. I thought the falls were closed or the, the, the dam, the, the road across the dam was closed. Turns out I was wrong, but I had already rerouted and started cycling south along a route I knew and towards Farrelton. And that's when I realized it was the Farrelton Bridge that was closed and not the Pogan Falls Dam. And But that even the Farrelton Bridge was open to cyclists. So I was just so late and I was tired and I, I didn't even clue into this till after I saw somebody else's post. And cycled down on the east side of the Gatineau River all the way to Wakefield, crossed the old wooden bridge, which is pretty sweet. Technically, you're supposed to walk it. I've never seen anybody walk that bridge, and I've seen lots of cyclists go. Everybody rides it. I think it's like everything else. Take it easy. Be respectful of people around you. If you see a group of people, you know, dismount or slow down. Let them know you're there. And be careful that your tires don't get caught in between the slats of the wooden bridge. Cruising through Wakefield, super easy. It's it's right at water level, basically, uh, until you hit the Chelsea border and you can get back on the rail trail and then take that last 20K into Chelsea following you know typical rail trail and that is that 17 hours of biking on sunday covered 297 kilometers uh 3200 meters of elevation roughly uh i was out for a total of 21 hours didn't see too much wildlife other than some deer porcupine lots of birds of course and that's about it some dogs happy days it was a good ride it wasn't cold it wasn't too hot during the day so that made it really easy because uh, you don't overheat and you don't you know you manage with less fluids and the night was miserably cold it got down to three degrees celsius i didn't have booties i didn't have i mean i had my mountain bike gloves which was good so yeah the gore-tex rain pants and down jacket were all i had and but they did a wonder they were they were fantastic so would i do it again yeah this week no so anyways Hope you enjoyed and uh, keep posted. Keep stay tuned. You will see this ride get posted very shortly. I just got to do some final touches and and then I look forward to sharing this ride and getting people out there. Uh, with regards to the amount of pavement in the first 
250 kilometers, which is from Gatineau Park through the park all the way up to Gracefield. There's only about 25 or so kilometers, maybe less than 30 kilometers, probably about, yeah, probably around 10%, maybe 11 or 12% of it is paved. Unfortunately, around the Mont Saint-Marie area, which has some awesome gravel climbs, and that's why we included this into the route, and it takes you just through some amazing areas. Uh, some of the roads are paved, or they're chip and tarred, they're chip sealed, uh, but it's basically like riding on a paved road. <clears throat> but that doesn't add a, a crazy amount over the entire ride that makes it like, let's say, 60 kilometers maximum on a 400 kilometer, so 15% of the ride. Not bad. Um, I'd love to see it as less, but I think I didn't want to cut that area out. It's too awesome. So hope you guys enjoyed. And uh, I hope to see you guys out riding it this summer. Just uh, let me finish editing everything and getting it posted. Other than that, keep on pedaling and have a good day. Bye-bye. I want to end the show by thanking all my listeners once again for the emails and comments I regularly receive from you. It really helps motivate me and keep me going with this project and to continue sharing people's amazing stories. If you have questions or comments, you can email me at bike at bikepackadventures.ca or go to bikepackadventures.ca and shoot me a message through the contact form. You can also check out the webpage for past podcast episodes, bikepacking routes throughout Canada, blog posts, videos, and touring tips. Lastly, I'd like to once again thank all the individuals and companies that are supporting the podcast. If you are enjoying the show and like what I'm doing, you can become one of my show supporters by going to patreon.com slash bikepackadventures. And for just a few dollars a month, you can help keep this show going. You can also help out by sending a one-time donation through PayPal. This money all goes back into the podcast, help me to cover the costs associated with running the show, buy new equipment when necessary, and produce the high-quality content that you've become accustomed to. Much appreciated, and keep on pedaling.